Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God, and I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than He is? I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal, and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, This has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you, and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in this way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Paul begins with a list of things from the Jewish experience, and he's instructing Christians to pay attention to what the Jews experienced and to apply these things to our lives in Christ. Verse 1, I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. And so he's talking about, of course, the time of the Exodus, when the Jews left Egypt and were led by Moses into the desert, and they passed through the Red Sea, and the cloud of God was over them by day, and the pillar of fire by night. And the same spiritual food that they ate is referring to the manna, and the spiritual drink that they drank was referring to Moses speaking to a rock, or actually striking the rock initially, and the rock giving water. And Paul is saying that these things all spoke prophetically of Christ, of the finished work of Christ. In verse 5, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. You may recall that um, the unbelieving generation that came out of Egypt, most of them were unable to enter the promised land. And so the Lord sentenced them to walk 40 years in the wilderness. And in that time, that entire generation that was of age, but refused to enter into the promises of God for lack of faith, died. Paul says, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And so the Jewish experience in the Old Testament stories is for them and their instruction, of course. But it's also for our instruction, because our God is the same God that was worshipped in the Old Testament. And so he goes on to give a list of some of Israel's sins and cautions Christians not to fall into the same sins. Verse 7, do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then he says we should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. So these things, committing sexual immorality, um, idolatry, testing the Lord, grumbling and complaining. These were some of Israel's sins that the church is also subject to. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. We should not test the Lord. How do you test the Lord? By trying to make him do something. We should not grumble and complain, as some of them did. These were recorded for our instructions. Verse 11, Paul says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Now, I love that expression. On whom the culmination of the ages has come. What is this culmination of the ages? It's Jesus who came to fulfill the prophetic scriptures of the Old Covenant. The culmination of the ages was Jesus Christ. The culmination of the ages was the Lord coming as a man, uh, living a sinless life, dying a sacrificial atoning death, being raised from the dead and ascending into heaven. That's the culmination of the ages. And we're all beneficiaries of that today as we're sharing these words and as you're listening. 
And so Paul goes on to caution us. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall, because these same examples of Israel's sins uh, cause them to get cut off, and these examples of sin in your life and my life could cause us to get cut off. Paul goes on to say that God will make a way when we're tempted. Verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, I've heard people say that they just couldn't resist, but the Bible says you can resist. I've heard people say there was no way out, and so they fell into pick a sin, immorality. But there is a way out, because the Bible says the Lord will provide a way out. And so it says specifically, we won't be tempted beyond what we can bear, and God will provide a way out. So you need to be aware of the fact that when you fall into temptation, God is, um, uh, is able to deliver you from that temptation, to bring you through it and have you um, survive it in a holy manner, in a way that's pleasing to Him. He goes on to talk a little bit about Holy Communion. And we'll talk more about this in chapter 11, but just a few words. In verse 16, he says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And so we take the the cup in Holy Communion as the blood of Christ. He says, Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? And we say these words, The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. But it starts with the cup of thanksgiving. This word, thanks, this word thanksgiving comes from a Greek word, eucharisteo, to give thanks. And this eucharisteo uh, has become shortened as eucharist in some Christian traditions in referring to the celebration of Holy Communion. They received the eucharist. And so the eucharist actually refers to thanksgiving. You may recall that in the Last Supper, Jesus first gave thanks before he shared the cup and before he shared the bread. And so this thanksgiving, this Eucharisteo, this giving of thanks, is part of the participation in Holy Communion. And some even refer to the whole of Holy Communion as the Eucharist or partaking of the Eucharist. He says that there is one loaf representing one body of Christ, and therefore the uh, the communion bread is taken from one loaf as representative of the one body of Christ, the union in the body of Christ. In verse 21, he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. And so the Lord's table, we refer to Holy Communion at times as the Lord's table or the table of the Lord. And uh, as I said, we'll get more into this in the next chapter. But Paul is saying that these things are, are holy, that they're not to be mixed with idolatry or other religious traditions that the cup of the Lord, the table of the Lord, the uh, represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And these things are not to be intertwined with idolatry or idolaters. And so we're not to test the Lord. A holy communion is indeed holy. Uh, the Lord will make a way when we're tempted to get out of temptation. But we're not to just assume that because God has given us grace, that we're at liberty to sin without consequences. Even believers have consequences for their sins. There's a remedy. It's confession and repentance. But we're not to sin and just assume that God will ignore our sin. Lord, we just pray that we would 
learn from the Jewish experience. We pray that they would learn from their experience as well. Some of the things that they did in the Exodus account was not pleasing to you. And Lord, we pray that we would learn that idolatry is not pleasing to you, that sexual immorality is not pleasing to you, that grumbling and complaining is not pleasing to you, that these things will not stand the light of eternity. God, help us to learn from their examples. Help us to be Christ-like in our dealings with you and with all men. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.